Okay, guys, uh, we are in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to talk about putting off the old man. Now, this is a phrase that Paul uses a lot in his epistles when he describes your prior life. Well, what do you mean my prior life? We don't believe in reincarnation, George. Uh, what prior life are you talking about? Well, in your life, there are two significant stages as a believer. There was your stage of life before you became a believer. Then there's the stage of life after you became a believer, when you experienced salvation. That first stage, we call that the old man, the old self, the carnal self, the lost self, okay? The new stage is what we call the new man. You're a new creation is another way Paul would, would talk about it. You're a, a believer, a Christ follower. Now the problem is, is when you become a Christian, have you noticed that you didn't, you weren't perfected? You didn't reach sinless perfection when you became a Christian. Have you noticed that? You still lied. You still did wrong things. You still had wrong thoughts. You still treated people badly. Am I correct in saying that? Unless unless somebody reached perfection at salvation here, please let me know, okay? Because we want to know what you did, okay? Because the reality is, to be very honest with you, you still exhibit, you're still inhabiting, you've got a new mind, a new heart, but you're still in the old body that's been trained for years in how to what? Sin, okay? So... What he's going to talk about today is how do we, how do we put off the old guy, old guy that we ha, that we wrestle with? Do, do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Here's the Apostle Paul says, uh, you know, oh wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? Romans chapter seven. You know, the reality is that's our struggle. You know, one of the things that I long for is Jesus to come back. And one of the reasons I long for Jesus to come back, not just to set the, the world straight, but to set me straight. Do, do you know what I'm saying? To be able to wake up in heaven and the battle be over. You know, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? The thoughts be gone, the struggles, the, desi- the evil desires, everything. What, what do you mean evil desires? Any sinful thought or desire that's wrong is evil just so you understand that. So don't read too much into it other than we're all wicked. That's what the Bible says, okay? So how do we put it off in the meantime? So we're going to talk about that today. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. But first of all, we're going to talk about a heavenly perspective in verses 1 to 4. So notice what he says here. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Okay, so we're going to look at a couple things here. Verses 1 and 1 to 2 are going to talk about uh, seeking things above. So those who have experienced salvation should seek the things of heaven. You know, if, if you and I are believers in Jesus Christ, 
If we've made that commitment to give him our lives, to follow him, you've got to ask yourself, where, where is your heart at? What is it that you're focusing on? What is it that you're focusing on the most in your life? And, and I can't answer that question for you, nor can anybody else around you. Only you know. What are the goals in your life? And if your goals are other th- anything other than being with Christ and glorifying Him in your life, then you've got to ask yourself about what's going on there. If your goals are making this world as great as possible for yourself, I'm going to be honest with you, that's, that's a mindless, futile goal. Why do you say that, George? Because, hey, you've been around, haven't you? I mean, you've, I mean, I'm not looking at anybody here that's, that's sucking on a baby bottle here. You're not a baby. Junk happens. And when you think that everything's gonna go okay, boom, you get smacked with a crisis. Like, where did that come from? Did you know what I'm saying? And then you're reminded constantly. Isn't it interesting how often we're reminded how frail we are and how much we need God and that this life has not really much to offer? Isn't that interesting? I mean, I, I, you would think, I'm, I'm going to, here another couple of weeks, I'm going to be 49 years old. You would think that I would learn by now just to hold on loosely. Did you know what I'm saying? But the fact of the matter is, is I get my hands wrapped around something really tight thinking, oh yeah, we got it now, only to be found out, slapped down later to realize that you ain't got nothing. You got nothing. And that's because we got ourselves so attached to here. He's saying for us, the heavenly perspective, if you're to own salvation, salvation has you. You're going to be thinking, seeking the things above because you're going to have a greater perspective. Here's what else he says. The, that is where Christ is sitting. What a blame. Did I do two? Uh, seek the things above. So what is above? That is where Christ is sitting in, in a place of authority next to God the Father. So my perspective is what's ahead for me. My perspective needs to be on the fact that Jesus is sitting next to the Father, and I'm going to be there with him one day. Okay? So believers, here's what we are, believers are to have a heavenly perspective. You and I are to have a heavenly perspective. What, what, do, you, what do you mean by that, George? Well, I want you to think about that. How many of you folks, I know some of you never go on a vacation, okay? But some of you do go on a vacation, okay? And let's just say... And, and mostly, when you have a vacation, you plan it out, right? You're planning it out. Let's say somebody gave you the opportunity to go to some Caribbean island for a week, okay? All right? Let's say, especially now, somebody gave you the opportunity. And I know we just had some folks who went down there, okay? They went to Alaska. You can tell by their pale skin, okay? And, uh, you know, so they, you went, you have that opportunity, and you know that that's coming, Weather's bad outside, work's a grind, but you got your vacation time, and you're looking at the calendar, and the days are ticking off to where you know that in just a short little bit, you're going to be sitting on the beach in some lounge chair with some fruit drink in your hand, okay? 
have, have any of you, as you got closer, you were anticipating that? That that's where your thoughts were. Do you know what I'm talking about? You had a you had a beach perspective, right? That I mean, that's normal. What he's telling us here is that believers, you know what's awaiting you. You know what's coming. You know what's ahead of you as a as a follower of Christ. And you know how much more wonderful that is, right? Because that's where Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. He's in authority. And you're going to sit with Him. He's wanting us to have, are you listening to me, a heavenly perspective. Like, you know what? I'm just biding my time here. Isn't that what we talk about? Two more days and I'm out of here. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Two more days. The only problem is we don't know how many days we got here. One more day closer. One more day closer, because you've got a perspective that's beyond. That's what he's talking about here. You need to have a heavenly perspective. A heavenly perspective. So let's look at the next thing he says there. Here's our current standing. So before we get to that, look at what he says here. They should not focus on the things of this world. I don't think I need to explain that too much. I think we understand what it means to focus on the things of this world, right? Do you ever get consumed by something? Some project you're working on? Uh, Your spouse can tell you if you get consumed by a project, because that's all you talk about. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where your focus is. That's where you're putting your energy to. That's where you're putting your money to. That's, That's where you're putting everything to, because you're focused on that. And, and it, it may not just be a project. It might be work. It might be the kids. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It might be grandkids. It might even be the church. You know, sometimes you can have a wrong perspective, put it towards the church, and it doesn't necessarily belong there. Do you understand? Because you're, you're doing it. Your focus is on the things of this world. And I don't need to explain to you what that's like, because we all understand that, right? We all understand that we've all been there. He's telling us, Hold on loosely. Put your perspective somewhere else. Quit focusing on here. You should not focus on the things of the world. So then, he's, to help us with that, he's going to help us to see in verse 3, look at what verse 3, he's going to help you to understand why. Because you have a standing with God. Look at what it says in verse 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here's what he's saying. Believers have died with Jesus Christ, and their lives are hidden in Christ. See, the old person. Let's stop for a moment. So do you understand? How many of you know somebody who does not know Jesus? Everybody should raise their hand, right? How many of you know somebody who does not know Jesus, who couldn't care less about Jesus or church or anything? All of us, right? Where are they focused on? What are they focused on? On themselves, right? What else? What are they focused on? Huh? Stuff of this world. Job. Making life better for themselves. You know, relationships. Whatever they want. Their pleasure. You know, I mean, we could go on and on. They're, that's where their focus is. Their focus is totally on themselves and life and making it good. You used to be just like that. When you think about that person, you used to be just like that if you were a believer. Before God opens your eyes for you to see and understand salvation, 
You used to be exactly like that. Now, here's the scary thing. Even though you've come to know Christ, you've still got those same tendencies. You still have those same tendencies. What do you mean? I thought I'm new. Yeah, you're still living in the same body, though. You know, in fact, here's how I... I, I, I th- this is a great illustration. One of the scourges of our community is drugs. Everybody knows that, right? You know, and and sometimes in church we we interact with people who have addictions. And one of the nastiest addictions that you can have is heroin. And here's the problem. I, I've met people that have become addicted to it. They no longer want it. Mentally, they wish they could get away from it. But the problem is now they have trained their bodies to crave it. So much so that if they go cold turkey off of it, you know, a lot of people, just quit it. Just stop. Well, you don't understand with that addiction, you might kill yourself going off of it. You might. What's going on there? The mind has changed. The mind wants to stop. But the body has been trained now that it can't live without it. See, folks, that's such a great illustration about you and I as believers. When we came to Jesus Christ, the mind and the heart were changed. The body still was practicing. Still was addicted. Still craves. Have you noticed that that sometimes those desires for the stuff... I mean, you're beating yourself up. Why do I want to do this? Why, God, why am I struggling with the same old sin over and over and over again? Have you noticed that? And you know in your mind, I shouldn't be doing this. It's your, the Bible has a word for it. It's called your flesh. You've trained your flesh. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because you have a new nature, but you inhabit a body of flesh that's been trained in sin. And so that's, that's the reality is, is, you know what? You've got to understand the first thing that's got to take place is you've got to recognize if you're going to put off that old man, you've got to recognize as a Christian, you died with Jesus. The old guy's dead. What's remaining is a body that's been trained in sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? You gotta quit saying, this is me, this, I'm just, I'm, this is me. No, no, the, the new you is new. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? He made you new. Behold, all things have what? Passed away. All things have become what? New. You're new. You know, I, okay, I appreciate the NIV. I appreciate the NIV. It's a good translation. But there's one reason I don't like the NIV. Because in Romans chapter 6, it the Greek word is flesh. The NIV translates it sin nature. And so you can operate on a concept that says, well, I still have this sin nature. No, you have a flesh that's been bought, trained in sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's saying there. You have a flesh that's been trained in sin. And you and I need to grasp that. You're new. 
this is what he's trying to tell us here. Understand your standing. So many of us are operating under this old concept when you need to understand that. Listen, salvation is not fire insurance, folks. That's wonderful that God kept you from going to hell and is going to have you in heaven. But you need to understand when you got saved, you changed. Your heart changed. Your mind changed. Because you, and you know what I'm talking about because you began to understand things like you never saw them before. You read the Bible now and it makes sense. That's a whole new, new person. He's, he's trying to get you to understand your standing. In fact, here, I gave you a passage. You can look at it. Romans chapter three, Romans chapter six, verses three through eight talks about this issue. In fact, he's going to tell us one more thing about this heavenly perspective. Here's what you've got to understand. In verse 4, he's saying that when Jesus Christ appears, believers will appear with him in glory. Isn't that wonderful? You're going to appear with him in glory. That's who you are. You're not just some has-been or a nobody. You're somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're somebody. So then he goes, here's where we're going to spend the rest of our time, verses 5 through 11. And he's going to talk about dealing with that old man, dealing with that flesh. That's not what we want. I mean, if you're growing in Christ, one of the, here's how you know that you're becoming mature in Jesus. You want how you know you're becoming mature in Jesus? The more you mature in Christ, the more you realize you've got a problem. And the problem is you. The more you mature in Jesus, the more you realize you've got a problem. And the problem is you because you still do bad things. You still say bad things. You still have bad thoughts. You still treat people wrong. And you become more and more convicted by that. The more you mature in Christ, the more you realize, and in fact, you become more humbled about it. How could he love me? Man, I can't believe how bad I am. And so with that, there is a desire within you to be, to, to, to deal with that sin in your life. And so like, for instance, this week, I was reading, reading something, I'm reading a book, called The One Hour That Changes the World, about prayer. And he was talking about confession, and he was reflecting on Psalm 51. And he was talking about that, that part of the prayer where David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That, see, that's, that's maturity comes to a place and says, God, I, I need you to clean up my act. I need you to renew me. That's maturity. Is where we understand where we're at. So let's talk about it. I mean, this, this should be where we're at, right? We want to know what we need to do. And let me just tell you right now, these are not steps. This is what we need to be shooting for in our life. And, we, and, you're, and let me just go ahead and tell you, I'm not making excuses for failure, but you are going to fail. But you know what you got to do. you still got to pick yourself up and put off the what? The old man. That's what sanctification is. Do you understand? So let's look at it. Look, look at verse 5. <clears throat> Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, 
fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, the filthy mouth, out of filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. Whether there is neither where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave nor free, but Christ is in is all and in all. Okay, so let's look here. First of all, the encouragement. Verse 5. Believers are to take decisive action to put to death or stop sinning. What do you mean put to death my members? Because we're talking about your body. You know, do, do I, do I got to be something weird? Is he calling me to some sort of weird aestheticism that, that I got to flog myself or whatever? You, you, you know, the monks used to do that in the 13th. No, he's not talking about that. He's using a word picture here. Put to death means that you take decisive action to deal with what you're struggling with, what you're doing wrong. Get serious about it, is what he's talking about here. You get serious about it, okay? Now, here's what he says. Paul lists the sins, and, and here's what we got to stop doing. And, and notice how he puts them all together. He lists these sins as sexual immorality, sexual crudeness, sexual lust, and greed. He lumps them all together. He says, look, you need to get rid of these things from your life. Deal with it. When you look at that list, fornication, that's the word pornea, meaning sexual, sexual immorality, and that's all-encompassing. Do you understand? That's an all-encompassing word. Any form of, of sexual activity outside of the bounds of marriage. That's what he's talking about here. You know, he's talking about uncleanness. That's, again, talking about sexual passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And, and have you realized that greed is idolatry? When you look at your neighbor and he's got that truck you like and you wish you had that truck and you're like wanting that truck folks that's idolatry you've made that your god okay let's go on now he states that greed is idolatry because it seeks to focus on self-fulfillment that's why greed is idolatry because you're wanting to find fulfillment for yourself rather than from god okay so then here, here's what he does. He's going to talk about God's wrath. It's because of these sins that God's wrath is coming upon unbelievers. See, the stuff that we engage in that we just think is our, our little pet problem, our little, our little struggle thing here, and I'm glad I'm going to be with Jesus, and, you know, yeah, I know I got to deal with this, but it's really no big deal, blah, blah, blah. You know what the problem is, is that that stuff that you're dealing with, your little old sins, my little old sins, is why God's going to destroy this world. Get that in perspective. And if you weren't saved, you would be destroyed along with it. 
Because God's going to pour his wrath out on the world because of our sins. Now, doesn't that give you a different perspective about the stuff you're struggling with? Shouldn't be taken so lightly. We take it lightly, don't we? See, maturity is is when you start mature and you begin to realize, I'm really not that good. I've got some serious issues. And if it wasn't for your grace, Jesus, I'd be headed to hell. See, that's maturity. It humbles you when you realize that. I mean, it gets rid of pride. Pride says, I'm doing okay. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not doing okay. You're not doing okay. We inhabit a body of flesh that's been trained in sin, that is addicted to sin, that's going to continue to sin. We've got to start taking decisive action because it's those sins that are resulting in the judgment of the world. Do you understand? It's just not my little hang-up. That's what he's talking about here. Let's go on. So it's because of God's wrath. What else is he saying here? Paul points out that all believers live in this manner at one time. Hey, you know what? The, the, the stuff that the unbelievers are doing, remember I told you, when you, the unbeliever that you know that's not living for the Lord, the stuff that they're engaged in that's going to bring God's judgment on, hey, remind yourself, you were once there. You were part of the problem. You were once part of the problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody is perfect except one. Who's that? Jesus. We're, we're not good. We're not good. Here's what I want you to see now. Here's what he's going to do. Here's the encouragement. You say, boy, I really need an encouragement now. Here's what he's, he's going to expand upon that encouragement earlier. Believers are to stop sinning in the areas of speech and personal interaction with others. Look at what he says here. Verse 8. We'll just go through it. Now you yourselves are to put off these. So he's going to tell you what they are. Anger. Anybody got a problem with anger? Just the other day I was talking to somebody. He said something to me. My blood pressure spiked right at that moment. But I got control. Now do you ever have moments like that? Yeah, at Walmart all the time, right? Okay? You know, I mean, seriously. Anger. Here's the other one. Wrath. Now, what, what's wrath? Because we're going to experience it from God. There's two different, there's two different words that are used here. The wrath that talks about God's wrath, that's a judicial wrath. Like, for instance, when you're in the court and the judge sentences somebody to prison or to death row, that sentence is the wrath of the government. That's a judicial wrath. What he's talking about here is emotional outbursts. Okay? He's talking about emotional outbursts. Emotional anger. Okay? We all got that problem, right? You ever, you ever laugh about when you lost it? Well, we shouldn't be losing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's talking about here. Let's go on now. Malice. Well, that's a nice Bible word. What does that mean? That means doing things with an evil intent. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you show malice towards someone, that means you're coming across like old sweetie and stuff, but you're really trying to do them in. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Let's look, let's look here. Blasphemy. Well, I think we pretty much understand what blasphemy is. That's really belittling God. Well, I don't use, I don't use God's name in vain. Well, you may not outwardly, but maybe somehow in the way that manner in which you talk about him, the old man upstairs, this type of attitude, that's blasphemy, folks. Did you understand what, when we belittle God in our mind, even in a joking way? Hey, let me just stop for a moment. I want everybody to think right now in your life, is there's one person in your life that you have the greatest respect for? Maybe they're dead. Maybe they're still alive. And you would never tolerate anyone ever speaking evil of that person because they have your respect. Because they were a foundational figure in your life. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. And you would never tolerate anyone ever saying anything against them because you know what type of person they are. Folks, when we blaspheme, the most foundational person in our life should be who? Jesus, God. When we belittle him, that's like talking disrespect about the person that you respect the most. Do you you understand that you would never tolerate from anybody else? But you're doing that. That, That's what he's saying. Put that away. Put that away. Look, Look at what else he says there. Blasphemy. Filthy language out of the mouth. Out of your mouth. I think we know what that one is. Right? I don't need to go into that discussion. Well, you know, language changes, George. Yeah, but have you noticed even though language changes, there's still filthy language? Get control of your mouth. I mean, that's the encouragement here. Get control of your mouth. You decide, I'm not going to talk that way anymore. Okay? Let's go on here. Look, Look at what he says there then. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds. We understand about the issue of lying, right? Okay? Let's go on here. He lists these sins as anger, rage, malice, blasphemy, and filthy language. We already just talked about those. Believers are to stop lying to each other. Quit lying to each other. Now, here's the basis. Why do we have to do that? Why do I have to make this effort to do this? Here's why. Believers are to take decisive action against sin because their old selves have died. That was reflective of who you were before Jesus. That's not reflective of who you are now. Quit acting that way. That's what he's saying. Let's go on. Believers are new since they are being renewed in the knowledge of God. Now, that word renewed is constantly used in Paul's epistles, and it has to do with the renewal of your mind. Do you know how you get... The center of all of your actions, where does it come from, folks? When you do something wrong, when you say something wrong, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. Now, the heart that it's talking about in in, in the Jewish mindset isn't just that muscle that's pumping blood in your center. It's the center of who you are, your mind and soul together. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
So when we talk about the renewal of your mind, he's talking about renewing you. Now, how do you renew you? You renew yourself with what? God's Word. You understand? That's why it's so important for you to be in God's Word. In fact, I gave you the scripture there, Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. That's what he's talking about here. And because of Jesus Christ, all believers are equal in their standing. Now, that's an awesome one. Why did he throw that in? I think he threw that in for an encouragement. Because here's what happens. The more you mature, the more you realize, I got problems. The more you feel defeated. Do you ever notice the more you mature, the more you realize you got problems, the more you realize that I'm still struggling with the same old stuff, how do I get over this? And then you look at other people around you, and, and here's what you do, especially if you're more, the more aware you are of where you're at and your stuff, you look at other people around you and you say, boy, they're doing a whole lot better than me. Don't we do that? It's the comparison thing. That's what we do as humans. I think Paul's throwing this in here to say to you, hey, you just got to keep this in perspective. We're all the same. We're all dealing with it. We're all struggling. We all got problems. Now, you say, okay, George, wow, how do I do this? And some of you are going to try this this week, and you're going to fail. I want to give you a perspective that I realized this week. It's from our book that we're going through. Uh, it's in chapter 13. He was talking about the victorious life. And it just blew me away, what Andrew Murray was saying. And I think this is going to help you. We're talking about putting off the old man. How do we do that? So here, how do we find the victory of that? Because we're going to struggle, okay? And when I saw this, it was like, man, open my eyes. He talked about that the reason why we don't attempt to do it is because we have a fear of failing. Isn't that real? I've tried that before. Smacked my face on the ground. I've tried to smack my face on the ground. I've just might as well quit it, you know, because it's not worth the effort. It's a fear of failing. Then he said this in his own way, but I'll, I'll paraphrase it in George Cannon's way, okay? It's all, a per, it's all a matter of perspective whose work it is. Failure comes because we look at it as our work to do these things. We look at it as, it's my effort to quit lying. It's my effort to quit having greed. It's my effort to quit being angry. It's my effort. It's my effort. It's my effort. And, and have you noticed how much you try to do things? It doesn't work? Have you noticed that? I mean, it's not just addicts who have that. We've all got problems, okay? He said, it's a matter of perspective. Whose work do you feel it is? He said, the victory and putting off the old man and the victory that God has for us is his work. Christ's work in you. And it becomes a matter of faith then, God, I'm going to trust you to help me do this. I'm going to trust you to help me to work on this. And I'm going to trust you that even if I stumble again, I can pick myself up because you're going to take me one step closer. 
Do you understand? It's faith in Christ to do the work in your life. Not faith in yourself. Because if you have faith in yourself, you might as well what? Hang it up, right? Victory comes because of Christ's work in you. Now, that doesn't mean you just sit there like, oh, okay, bring me victory, take it away. No, no, you still got to work, but I'm working with a different perspective now. I'm working with a perspective that says, God, you're going to help me do this. You're going to give me the strength to do this. That's the perspective he's talking about here. And folks, listen, you are somebody new. Quit living like the old one. All right, any, any questions? Next week we're going to uh, talk about the new man. We're going to talk about how should we be living, the new person, okay?